Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com, joined by Beaver's Edge writer and KGO radio host TJ Matthewson. We're coming to you following Oregon State's first loss in Pac-12 play as the uh, Beavers fell to Washington State up in Pullman 38-35 this weekend. We're coming to you guys midweek. We'll also be previewing the Friday matchup against Utah, bringing on Alex Markham from our rival site. So stay tuned later in the uh, podcast for our conversation with Alex. But again, Oregon State suffers their first loss of the season. They go to three and one uh, on the season. TJ, what's going on, man? How are you? And what were your thoughts kind of on that game just in general? I mean, overall, I I think I have quite a few, but I'm curious to see kind of what your initial thoughts were from that matchup. Good to see you, by the way. (laughs) Good to see you too, buddy. I can't wait for for Friday. We'll get to sit back in the press box together a friday night in corvallis school is back there's there's gonna be (laughs) some debauchery going on i'm sure (laughs) but the game but game wise i think my big takeaway from this game more than anything is perhaps we have to lower expectations for this 2023 oregon state defense perhaps sure they could turn it around and, and prove us wrong but man they got sliced up I mean, it was yeah, it was miscommunications. It was mistackling. It was Washington State making a ton of good plays, uh, like blanketed in coverage. Didn't didn't really seem to matter. Kelly was unguardable. They they, they yep. tried, they tried, but he was he was really difficult to cover. It it was definitely a learning experience for the secondary. They tightened up in the second half. I think only a hundred and. 70 second half yards which you yeah. extrapolate that over a whole game is about what they give up on average in any given game sure. this season so you think okay so a bad half but bad halves lose football games and right. that's exactly what happened and they were sloppy there were some personal fouls there was blown coverages stuff you just you don't want to see you get it out of the way i guess with your your first conference game of the season but in this conference this year i can't do that again they, they, no, they can't I mean, do that again I guess, I guess kind of, you know, I totally agree with everything you said. And, and not to mention, I think you, you hit the nail right on it. The fact that Washington State lost their top receiver, Lincoln Victor, on just a fluky play early in the game. And then just the next guy in line is ready to torch you. And, you know, you look at, like, like you said, Kelly obviously had 159 yards. Williams racked up 174. I mean, 15 catches between the two of them. Uh, it, it was Oregon State's secondary was just, a mess and you know they were able to get it cleaned up in the second half as you mentioned tj specifically on the defense because i think the offense you know some of their first couple drives were a little self-inflicted they got things going and were kind of able to start playing catch-up did it seem to you like the defense just wasn't ready to go in this matchup did you think about like the second play of the game obviously the big shot I, I, to me it just seemed like that zip and kind of that pop and just the energy was not there and oregon state for lack of better terms, was like getting punched in the mouth in the boxing ring and didn't really know how to swing back properly until the second half. And by that point, you know, they had spotted them a big lead, were tried to come back. And again, credits the Beavers for, you know, not laying down, you know, when it when they were down, you know, 20-some points there in the third quarter and fighting back and having onside kicks to have a shot. But on the road, conference opener against a quarterback like Cam Ward that is playing high-level football, you can't not show up for a half most notably in the secondary. No, you can't. We do have to give some credit to Cam Ward. I mean, this dude started sure. the game 19 of 20 oh, passing. He was it, so it efficient. Even, 
it didn't even matter what part of the field he was throwing. It didn't matter if he was nope. throwing in the flat, he was throwing mid-level throw, throwing a deep pass. It, it didn't matter. He was he was on target. So some of that you just have to credit to the offense. Maybe maybe less so than Oregon State not being ready to play, more so Washington State really having their their game scripts, their their first three drives or how much these guys usually script out, good to go and ready to go, and they executed it to perfection. But on, on the other sense, yeah, I mean, the Oregon State, and the one I would say real test on offense they had faced so far, San Jose State, a team with what we would call an above-average offense, they started really fast. and But it had been two weeks since they've actually had to, to worry about that. And it probably took until you're staring down a 14-point deficit at halftime to realize that, yeah, that what they did is, is, is not going to cut it. And they played better in the second half. But sure. they can't win football games in this conference doing that, not with the quarterbacks that they're playing this year. And as good as Cam Ward is, he's the fourth best quarterback in the conference. Yeah, I mean. It's, it, like, it doesn't get easier, right? So you, this is a, a learning lesson for a lot of those guys on that defense that they're, you know, they got to be ready, ready from the start. And on top of that, we talk a lot about the secondary, too. The, the defensive line, I didn't think it got a whole lot of pressure on Cam Ward. It was balanced because they were throwing it quickly, and they were, you know, again, throwing it out in the flat, a lot of short stuff, a lot of extension of the running game passes. But the defensive line didn't disrupt anything either, which is something you can rely upon when, when an offense right. is clicking along. Someone makes a, a big negative play. Well, there weren't that many of those to, to rely on. No, and you mentioned it. obviously Ward was getting the ball out quick, and he does deserve some credit in that game. You know, he 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 played outstanding, especially in that first half. And you know, I also think that you know Oregon State, like you said, was able to make some adjustments. But the consistent part of it, and Jonathan Smith mentioned it during his press conference on Monday, they weren't really able to make Ward uncomfortable. And at the very base level, TJ, that's the main difference between the game in Research Stadium last year that Oregon State was able to win. You know, not handily, but by a comfortable margin. And then. This year is last year they were able to get after Cam Ward. This year it was really hard to get him on the ground. I mean, other than, you know, the fumble that he had where they were able to create a little bit of pressure, you know, for the most part, I think Oregon State had one sack in the game. It was a nice sack, but it was one. So, you know, not being able to make him uncomfortable and then giving him the time to be able to pick apart, you know, any sort of, you know, secondary look that the Beavers were giving him, whether it was, as you mentioned, getting out quick and letting his receivers do the damage after the catch. And, you know, I, I think their after the catch yards was well over, uh, you know, 150, possibly 200 yards. Uh, and then the other way, you know, protecting him long enough to uncork some of the deep balls too. So again, you got to credit Oregon state for being able to make some adjustments on the fly in the second half, but again, just all around, not a game and not a half we'd really seen with Trent Bray's defense, TJ, that was kind of a new thing. We'd never really seen Trent Bray's defense maybe look this out of sorts in a half or to open a game. Is you know, is that just recency bias, or am I? I I'm pretty sure that's how we feel. Other no, than maybe that was, you know, Utah that was his worst year. half as a that was his worst half as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, and but it's gonna happen. It, it happens will. to yeah. everybody. It happens to the best coaches in the country. So uh, eventually, that will. That will come up. Now, a way you can get around that is you have an offense that can bail you out when your defense, your elite defense, or we'll call them good right now. We'll call them a good defense, 
right, struggles, gives up 38 points. You rely on your offense to go out there with all the skill players you have to bail you out. And it took them a while to get going, too. And it was was curious. You look at the final totals. I mean, Oregon State overall had uh, over 450 yards of offense. uh, Sorry, just under 440 total yards of offense. They are pretty balanced rushing and passing wise, but it took a while to get going. And yeah. the general reaction I got, let us know down in the comments section um, or, or tag Brendan, board, spam please. him yeah. or on the damn board. Yeah. On the damn board. Let us know um, about like this. I'm, it, it happens every time that you have a new quarterback come in and he struggles in his first big test in, in your uniform and I, I couldn't believe the fact, why, sitting here on my post-game show on KEJO on Saturday night, after that game where the offense puts up 35 points, the defense gets torched up and down the field, and we spent the whole time talking about quarterbacks. Right. I mean – You're like, time for Childs. Move DJ out. He, <laughs> time for Aiden Childs to come in. And I, and I can't yeah, believe you know, that's what we're doing. I mean, Again. I guess I'm – you know, I think, I think it's very – open-ended let me let's let's just start this way tj uh, i just want you let's each just give our opinions on dj and the passing off passing attack play calling all together i'll get into mine after tj i don't think and you know jonathan smith something emerged from jonathan smith after that game when he mentioned you know i think it was in his post-game comments something along the lines of we're not finger pointing and that's kind of what i saw in some respects was you know some people saying, you know, DJ maybe not might not be, you know, the quarterback that Oregon State thought he was going to be. I think that old football adage, you're never as good as you think you are, you're never as bad as you think you are, applies here. And, you know, like I said, I'll give my thoughts, TJ. I'll go ahead and let you start. Just what were your thoughts on DJ and play calling, passing attack in general? Well, I thought the play calling actually got a lot better in the second half because they utilized his legs more. I think in the first half, on so many of these important, crucial downs, they had him dropping back to pass. And as with much of that first half, there was a ton of miscommunication. I didn't think the offensive line blocked very well. I thought this was easily the line's worst game of the season. And he yeah. had, DJ had pressure in his face all he day. Did. I mean, they had guys flying right at him. The sack numbers don't show up, but he had guys running up on him. He could hear the footsteps whenever he's dropping back to pass. And that affects even the best guy's accuracy back there. So – that was one aspect of that. Uh, Jonathan mentioned some of those throwaways were planned to keep the ball out of harm's way, which again affects the stats when you look at it in the box score and DJ completes less than 50% of his passes. Okay, sure. DJ also could have played better. I think of the fourth down and two, he's floating to Damian Martinez in the first half. Damian running a lot, nice little wheel route of the backfield. And it's just this little touch pass that DJ needs to land in there. And he missed yeah. it. Yeah. So there, there is blame to go around on all sides, but it's like everybody points the finger at themselves instead of pointing it at someone else. And I, and I think that's what we saw. The second half when they started running DJ more, I thought kept the offense on schedule a lot more. And I thought that was really important because they got off schedule too often in the first half, led to some bad downs, and they just couldn't keep up with Washington State, who was doing – the exact opposite of that. So I think that's yeah. generally what I took away from this game. So, but I, I, yeah, I don't think, I think it's unfair of people to expect DJ to complete 70% of his passes. I don't think that's who he is. I think he's right. kind of proven that I mean, over, over his college career. He's like, 
he's not going to, he's not Tom Brady back there. He's not going to be ultra accurate across the field. He might, he's right. going to have games like this and you right. just got to find a way to yeah. work around it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's, I think there's a lot of layers to this, right? And, you know, starting first off, I'll say this. In my opinion, DJ is still your best chance to win football games every 100%. given Saturday. And I'm going to say that you know, unequivocally because while I think Aiden Childs is great, imagine Aiden Childs, you know, starting in that game on a hostile crowd as an 18-year-old, right? So, you know, you look at, you know, Dante Moore this last week at Utah – it can be tough for a young guy to go and just play on the road. So or in this particular case, DJ playing the first time at Pullman. Pullman's a tough spot to go play. Not trying to make excuses for him. He obviously was not good in the first half. And Jonathan Smith mentioned there are some throws that DJ needs to hit, um, you know, in order to, you know, you know, be the most efficient he can be. But even Jonathan Smith kind of put the blame, you know, kind of in different areas. You know, he said there's times they need to protect him better, as you mentioned. Times that he needs to, you know, uh, get the ball out in a better spot, go through his progressions. But all that to say, I don't think a quarterback change should be anywhere near, you know, Bieber fans' minds right now because I don't think that's the long-term solution here. I think DJ is the guy. Um, with that, I also think maybe unfairly – Beaver fans expected DJ to come in and be Michael Penix or Bo Nix. And I don't say that lightly from the sense of like, you know, he's a different quarterback than them, but I think to an extent, maybe there's a little bit too much, like just people expect DJ to be unbelievably great when all Oregon state needs him to be is pretty good to be very good in their offense. And going to what you said about being perfect and whatnot, like, yeah, I mean, DJ's going to have some incompletions, and it's also worth mentioning that it, it still was game four. He didn't play a half of one game and didn't play a half of another. So out of the four games, TJ, that's like one, almost one whole game that he hasn't played in, right? So it's what, about three-ish, maybe three and a quarter? Yeah. So, you know, all that to say, I think he's still working on it, and I think DJ is going to get better as the season goes along, and I still think he is your best option. With that being said, I echo what you said. Uh, I don't think the pass blocking was great, and that was my thought on the offensive line coming into the year, was we know they're great run blocking, absolutely terrific, outstanding run blockers, but could they pass block at a just a, a good level and so far, it's been a mixed bag. And I think Washington State's defensive line definitely got after the Beavers a little bit in that matchup. Um, and then I don't think that the play calling in the first half was necessarily perfect. But as Jonathan said, a lot of unforced errors. I mean, you go back and you look at, like, you mentioned the personal foul. The one on Talese Fuaga was tough, right, for where Oregon State was. And, you know, losing, you know, the up that, that drive, I think, back to – you know, the fumbled snap on the pitch with Damian Martinez and Oregon State's first offensive drive. Oregon State was looking good. They could have made that a 7-7 game. And interestingly enough, TJ, Damian Martinez got 27 yards on that first run. He only finished with 81. So even Damian Martinez kind of had a, a bit of a grinded out game after that. Deshaun Fenwick was obviously able to get some stuff going. It was great to see him go over 100 yards. And then the receivers have to mention this because it's part of that offensive passing attack puzzle too. They got it figured out a little bit in the second half, notably the fourth quarter. TJ, there were times when the camera would pan to Anthony Gould or Silas Bolden after an incompletion or not getting it. You could see the frustration on those guys' yeah. face. There was yep. not enough communication. And I think the thing that I was really interesting with, 
really interested in was when the Beavers were down 14, maybe it was 21, they panned over to Oregon State's quarterbacks, and it looked like a very happy-go-lucky scene. Like, everybody was happy and smiling, and, you know, yeah, I think it was after DJ's touchdown run. So it was, I believe that made it a 14-point game, uh, just off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, I was kind of like, where's kind of that, that killer fighter instinct and I don't think that came until too late in the matchup, either in a hostile area where you have to be zoned in and ready to go. So overall, like you and I were texting during the game, it felt like a weird game. It felt like Oregon State didn't really show until a little bit later. And by that point, it was a little bit too little, too late. And, you know, obviously big loss. And now they're going to have to find a way to, uh, you know, get the win against Utah. And we'll obviously uh, bring on Alex Markham here shortly to, uh, to discuss with him uh, some final thoughts uh, on that Cougar matchup, TJ. One final thing on the passing game. So all the, all the blame can be spread around, right? It doesn't all have to be on DJ. It doesn't all have to be on the offensive line. It doesn't all have to be on the receivers. It doesn't all have to be on the play calling either. But in their first big test of, we want to be a more balanced offense. We want to be able to pass the ball with the best in this league while keeping our running attack because that will make us a Pac-12 championship contender. Yeah. It did not prove to me Saturday they could win the game, win a game passing the ball like they need to. Against the quarterbacks in this conference, Saturday did not prove that. I, I do not have confidence that this group, if they if the running game is shut down and they're playing from behind, that if they absolutely need to drop back and pass the ball and go score touchdowns through the air. I don't think they could do it. Not not what what they've shown me. Yeah, and that's and that's obviously a massive development because a lot of Beaver fans and you know people who cover the team, myself included, kind of figured that DJ would be that guy. Maybe the again, maybe the receivers need to do more. Maybe he needs more protection. Maybe DJ needs to be more accurate. I think it's a combination of all of it put together. And I still think the coaching staff needs to identify which play calls and which plays are going to put DJ in the best position. You mentioned, you know, the running in the second half. DJ didn't run hardly at all in the first half. And then you see him have success and break some bigger runs in the second half. So, you know, offensively, a lot of things to clean up. Defensively, you close the game well. You know, I think about Jaden Robinson, obviously, with that fourth down stop on the goal line. You know, you close the game with effort. You didn't roll over. And, and that's – a you know, that, that is important, but I think TJ, the Beavers can't get lost in the positives this week and be like, well, it's okay. We played better in the second half. No, like you said, you're not going to win very many games in the PAC 12 if you're going to spot people that much time. So, you know, that's all, you know, a big piece of it too. So, um, you know, obviously a lot for Oregon state to clean up heading into uh, this next week. Uh, but for the most part, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they respond coming off the road and coming on back at home for a Friday matchup against Utah. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a quick break here on the Edge podcast. When we return, we'll be back with Alex Markham from Rivals uh, Ute Nation, talk a little bit about Utah and learn a bit more about the Utes uh, heading into the matchup. So stay tuned here at beaversedge.com. Welcoming you back to the Edge podcast, publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com, joined by Beavers Edge writer and KEJO radio host TJ Matthewson, and joined by special guest Alex Markham, the publisher of Ute Nation over our sister site over at Rivals.com. Alex, good to have you on the big pod, man. How are you? Good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Always, I always love these matchups, man. It's, uh, you know, it's it's bittersweet this year, but you know, it's uh, it's just gonna make it that much easier for me to be able to follow you guys and and hope for nothing but the best too. You know. Yeah. 
no, like we appreciate the time for sure. It's obviously been a, a busy start to the season. And you mentioned it with all the off the field stuff and, you know, that's all going to work itself out eventually, but let's just go ahead and talk about this year's Utah team real Absolutely. quick uh, coming into Corvallis four and Oh, you know, they got their first conference win against the Bruins this last week, real grinded out game. Uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Whittingham said, you know, it was one of the better, if not the best defense he's seen played in that stadium. Alex, how big of a statement is that given just the defense that big wits been overseeing for as long as he's been there? You know, I'll tell you guys, um, I had been hearing stuff about how they really felt like this defense could compete with what a lot of people view as arguably the best Utah defense of all time, the the 2019 team. Okay. Uh, I'd been hearing rumblings on that. Um, I mean, I could see it for myself on, on what was developing, but um Old you, Eric Weddle, that uh, won a Super Bowl ring for the Rams a few years ago. Um, he kind of let the cat out of the bag a while back, saying that he had a conversation with uh, Utah defense coordinator Morgan Scally, and that uh, Scally had said that he really felt like this could rival some of the best of all time. Mm. And what's absolutely crazy is they have had so many injuries, so many injuries. Okay. And for them to still be doing what they're doing. And, you know, especially what they did last week. Now, the numbers are also inflated, okay, because there was a really questionable um, fourth down call where Utah got called for a legal substitution and UCLA kind of played a cat and mouse game on that. And, you know, depending on who you talk to, I mean, within the rules, the the refs kind of, you know, hurt Utah on that one when it when it shouldn't have, right? And then that led to, you know, the, the long touchdown drive at the end or else Utah pitches a shutout. And sure. I'd, I'd have to look at the numbers. But even after that, there was a, a long pass play where it was a pretty blatant um, pat, offensive pass interference where the guy took Utah's defender and threw him down to the ground. Mm caught the ball right and then uh and uh that that was about a 45 yard gain and so even even if you even if you give them that penalty and then just say you know okay well that was a crucial play wipe that off the board and and what went from there that's 78 yards that utah gave up that shouldn't shouldn't have been on the books right so as good as that defense performance was it it was that much better it just does not show that way on the stats as crazy as that sounds right yeah um but it's just it's so amazing and so insane just to see how good this defense has been and have all the injuries that they've had yeah key positions too it's just their their depth is in it's insane it's it's pretty damn impressive to see speaking of the offensive i was gonna say let's i'm everyone's gonna ask this question this week uh alex and is cam what's cam rising doing is he is he healthy i know he's splitting reps in practice this week Kyle Whittingham said they would wait until Friday to make a decision. If you were to make a gut decision, who's who's starting a quarterback on Friday? Hey, you know, I, I hate this question as much as you guys hate the uh, the conference stuff. And uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and answer it because Brendan was put through it with uh, with my guy Cole on our uh, on our video podcast, man. But, uh, you know, it's it's difficult, OK, because um, one cam is ahead of schedule. You know, so when everybody freaks out about uh, what's going on with them, that's what everybody needs to realize and remember. Now, um, 
you know, there was optimism for the Florida game. So home opener. Right. And that's created a lot of crazy speculation and so on and so mm. forth. What I can tell everybody's cam wants to be on the film, you know, um, Utah is also trying to do right by him. And so it's one of those where he's extremely, extremely close, but what they need to weigh is, you know, how much safer it can get for him if he waits, say, two more weeks, right? Sure. Because the buy is coming up next week, you know? And so it's it's a really, really weird situation. If you had to, if I had to guess today, um, even knowing the competitor that Cam is and knowing just how close he is, I'd, I'd still say that they, they're going to err on the side of caution, especially because it's, it's supposed to rain on Friday. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, you know, you seen a little bit in the yeah. forecast. Yeah, you know, and so it's it's one of those where it's like, Err on the side of caution, give him an extra two weeks of practice time, you know, because he is ramping up. That's the one thing I'll tell you guys. Um, he's, yeah. I, I know, I know how close he is to the point where it can go either way this week, but I yeah. just, I, I don't, I don't see him playing. What does that do? I mean, obviously, you know, those of us who are in the know and follow this, you know, obviously no cam rising's prowess, but just from your words, Alex, what is the difference in Utah team that Oregon State will be playing on Friday, one with Cam Rising versus one with Nate Johnson? How much different is it? Night and day. <laughs> um, Utah needs to hope that uh, the defense can create another um, turnover and uh, and potentially defensive score, which they've done the last two weeks. You know, um, they're very prone to doing that, you know, so a very positive sure. thing. Um, you know, they're going to have to play the field position game. Utah's got one of the best punters in the country, you know, so Utah's really got to hope that they have a strong special teams edge and strong defensive edge that's going to put the offense in, in positive situations, okay? Um, if you go back and you look at that UCLA game, you know, it's Nate, Nate Johnson at the end of the game came out and, and apologized to everybody. And, I, you know, I thought that that spoke volumes of him. But at the same time, too, he didn't need to do that. Like, if you go back and you watch the game, um, yeah, he put the ball on the ground three times, you know, lost it once. It's it's a 50-50 ball every every time it's on the ground. So that's, that's the risk, right? That's the one concern with him. But he pass the ball better than people want to give him credit for. And I really feel like when he put the ball on the ground from those fumbles, it probably created some caution between Whittingham and, and offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig. And then, um, and then also on top of that, you know, Utah was up 14, nothing. It was really, you know, okay, can we grind it out? Our defense mm -hmm. is playing great. Let's see what we can do from there. And so he's capable, but, it scares the living hell out of everybody associated with Utah. And they know that the defense is going to have to come to play. And at the same time too, you know, you can only rely on the defense that way for so long, because I mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, you guys found out last week against Wazoo, this offense has a ton of really good offensive teams. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely true. The conference is loaded with big time quarterbacks and, you know, they're good. We're eventually going to get another one. Ms. Rising will eventually make his debut, whether it's Friday or as you mentioned in a couple weeks. And it'll be very interesting to see how all that shakes out just because like you said, the potential, you know, ability with the bye week coming up and, you know, the potential for rain Friday night, short week on the road um, with that, if you're kind of Utah going into this game, 
How do you feel about Oregon State following the, their loss to Washington State? And if you, you know, do you think Utah will be able to do or replicate some of the things Washington State was able to do, notably throw deep? Uh, first off, that last part, no. Um, you got to you got to trust Nate Johnson. Can can he do it? Yes, I've I've heard reports that he threw a sixty yard completion in practice in in spring and in, in fall ball. So can yeah. he do it? Yeah, it's it's trusting him and allowing him to do that. And I just haven't seen that confidence um, within the play calling, which is really, really scaring a lot of people, again, scaring a lot of people associated with Utah. So is, is he capable? Um, yes. But at the same time, too, you know, when it comes to the respect factor of Oregon State, Utah's program highly respects them. I mean, it's it's very obvious that Jonathan, that Jonathan Smith – models his program after Utah. And that's one of the things it's, it's one of the highest levels of respect. It's the right way to build a program too, you know? And so it's definitely a very, you know, close to a mirror image, you know? Sure. So Utah, Utah knows that, you know, look, they, they had a bad game last week and, in, in a pretty good environment, right? Mm-hmm. Now Utah is going to be going into a raucous um, Oregon State environment, a place that they're always tough. And, you know, Utah – you know, last time didn't didn't fare too well. You know, that that was a game that probably kept Utah out of being a very serious contender for, you know, the uh, the CFP. So, yep. yeah, I mean, Utah is taking this game serious. And they, they know they, they know they're going to have a pissed off Beaver squad. TJ, you have anything uh, you want to add? No, I think he covered it all, Brennan. Yeah, uh, Alex, with that, let's go ahead and just kind of get your final thoughts on the matchup itself. How do you think, you know, based on what you've seen this year, I mean, Utah got challenged a little bit by Baylor in that week two game, needed Nate Johnson to kind of, you know, he was really impressive on that drive when they needed him to be. So that that's, in, you know, about him playing on the road, but that was kind of his first, you know, kind of major experience. How do you feel about him going into Reese or Stadium? And then ultimately, how do you see, how do you see this matchup shaking out? Nate Johnson's confident as hell. Um, I don't know that last week would shake his confidence. So that's going to be something interesting to see just how he kind of comes into that. Right. Um, You know, I I think that they need to, you know, come hell or high water, you know, throw some, throw some deeper passes with him early Mm. in the game, see how that goes. You know, if, if it doesn't go the way that, that they're hoping, you know, put your defense on the field and, uh, you know, and, and see how they can uh, stop the Beavers and, and flip the field. Right. You know, so they, they've got to take the chances this game. You can't do what you did against UCLA. You have to take the chances. Right. And um, it's, it's difficult, right? Because, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot closer game with Nate in the game. If it's cam, um, I see Utah comfortably winning. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the other thing is, is, you know, Utah's run game, it's, it's taking right. a beating, you know? And so Nate's going to have to be reliant. You know, he, Nate's going to have to do a lot of things on the ground, but you know, if, if he can break a few, that's going to keep them honest and, and, and then open things up in the passing game or vice versa. Right. You know, he, he hits some of those big ones early and, and can make some stuff happen in the run game. Now each week um, the playbooks open up more and more for him. Um, And so that's, that's a huge positive. So, you know, I, I honestly feel like 
it's going to be kind of a, a lesson learned week heading into this game. And I'm not just talking for the offense. I'm talking for I'm talking for the offensive coaching staff. Uh, and I, I do expect Nate just because he does have this just wow big play ability where it's you know next thing you know he can run a he can he can run one for seventy yards. You know, sure. Um, I I do I do think Utah pulls this off. I'm not that confident in it, but sure. I just I just have this feeling that. This defense is going to put them in such opportunistic situations, right? Now, Oregon State has a great defense too, but Utah's proved it against a lot more difficult competition. Yeah. And so that's where I give Utah the edge on this. Um, and and I, I, I don't feel confident in, in saying that, but there's just something to me that just feels like they're able to hold on one more week if they don't have camp. Yeah. No, obviously, you know, like I said, I can see that, you know, just as I mentioned to you when I was on your guys' podcast this week, I mean, I really could see this game going either way. I think it's a pick I think some weird things can happen. Pac-12 after dark on a Friday night, I think, you know, Oregon State's finally going to have, you know, their students in the crowd. It should be a crazy environment. And obviously you mentioned the biggest is could Cam Rising shock, you know, expectations and play. And I think if he does, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I give Utah the slight advantage, but with Nate Johnson, I really do think, you know, it, it's a, it's a pick'em's type game. It really is. It really is, man. And, you know, I mean, one, one of the things for me too is, you know, Nate thrives off of um, really big energy and stuff like that. So if, it, yeah. if it's a, if it's a crazy crowd, it's not, it's not going to deter him. Right. It's not, the moment's not going to get too big for him. He's a very confident person. And if they can build that confidence this week, because, you know, again, he took ownership last week when he didn't have to, you know, they, they right. really, honestly, they, they really handcuffed him last week. And so that this is going to be a, a big, big thing where it's like, you know, okay, you know, you guys have to open up this offense to start winning these games. You know, there's probably one more game on the dang schedule for Utah that they can get away with doing what they did last week. And that's Cal. It's not Oregon <laughs> yeah. State, right? You know, and so, man, I, I don't know, but Nate's got this big playability that I think that at one point it's going to click for him and yeah. it's, it's going to click pretty big. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out because I think you're going to have a, you know, not desperate, but one degree separation desperate Oregon State team really wanting to get a win, knowing that, you know, their Pac-12 title hopes would take a huge hit if they get to two losses already. And then conversely, as you mentioned, you know, Utah looking to maintain the momentum and obviously, uh, you know, continue their undefeated streak so far this season. So it's. Oh, sorry, man. I didn't no, no, go cut for, you off. Go. You know, it's no. it's it's a tough conference this year, right? You know, so it's like Utah understands this. Like, okay, if Cam does not play on Friday, you have got to do things to open up this offense and give the team the best chance to win. Because, you know, Cam comes say say Cam doesn't play, Cam comes back, and Utah is a one loss conference team. There's no margin of error. Right. No margin of error with how good these teams are. I mean, you ask me right now, Washington, Washington is the <laughs> runaway favorite. Oh, in, in this conference, they're man, they're so they, good. They, they, yeah, look, they're so they look good. like they can compete for the national title. You know, yeah. USC looks like they can get beat by a fourth of the teams in the league. They're, yeah. you know, but USC is still damn dangerous. You know, yeah. Oregon, just nuts. You know, you guys surprised the or Oregon State surprised the hell out of me last week. I thought it was going to be, uh, you know, not not to throw salt in the wound. I 
legit thought it was going to be a matchup of two teams, you know, one being top 10 and one just right. being on, on the outside of it. So they, they, to me, they are a top 15 team. They just had a bad game. Yeah, no. And TJ and I earlier in the podcast kind of broke it down the same way. And, you know, yeah. we felt pretty confident in that matchup too, but weird things happen on the Palouse, man. And, you know, some, and, you know, again, yeah. credit to Washington state, because again, Cam, Cam Ward was playing particularly well throwing that football. So Imagine Oregon State will have that uh, somewhat tightened up in advance of the Utes this week. Alex, uh, big thanks, man, for hopping on the podcast with us. We certainly appreciate uh, chatting with you, yeah. man. It's been it's been great. And uh, uh, big thanks to TJ Matthewson for uh, joining me on the Edge podcast, as always. Stays locked. BeaversEdge.com will have full coverage of Oregon State and Utah leading into the matchup Friday night at Reeser Stadium.